Here's a question. How does an ordinary person land their dream job in the sports industry immediately after graduating? Welcome to the Sports Grad Podcast, your bite-sized guide to enter the sports industry. I'm Ruben Williams. And I'm Ryan Walker. In 2017, we said goodbye to exams and hello to full-time work. This is a behind-the-scenes reveal of exactly how the best sports industry professionals in the world created careers that most only dream of. We believe every dream job in sport is worth chasing, and that's why we want to give you the tools to make it a reality. For a proven process to getting jobs in sport, download our free ebook. How to Get Jobs in Sport, The Sports Grad Method. You can get this for free at www.sportsgrad.com.au. Hello and welcome to the Sports Grad Podcast. My name is Ruben Williams and with me, as always, is the champion of the Grassroots Experience Cup, <laughs> Ryan Walker. How are you after your big win last Thursday, mate? <laughs> Oh, Rubes, I'm just soaking it up. Um, obviously, got the trophy here on my mantle amongst the others. Yeah, mate, look, it was it was a tough contest. That reach got me in the end, didn't it? Um, but no, great, great episode last Thursday, I must say. But um, no, I'm going well, mate. All going swimmingly on my end. Uh, work steady, fun steady. Been away in recent weeks over the weekend for my birthday up to high country, so... No, I feel I feel good. How, how's things your end? Very good, mate. I'm I'm doing well. For those who who don't know, last Thursday we released an episode around prioritising your opportunities at a grassroots sporting club. So there's obviously a lot of different things you could do within a grassroots sporting club. And our previous guest Jay Lee from the NBA gave us a nice little framework to use to determine what is a priority and what's going to create the most impact. So we applied this to, you know, initiatives that you could do at a grassroots level and it gives you a little score at the end and the winner of this competition was crowned the uh, the grassroots experience champion. So well done, Ryan, for coming up with the highest priority initiative in a grassroots sport. But if you want more about that, I'd recommend listening to that episode because it will give you the number one thing you should be focusing on. Today's guest, Adam Bishop. General Manager of Growth and Development at Athletics Australia. Adam sent through a comment on a LinkedIn post of mine during the week all around the significance of grassroots sport and what it means for getting jobs in sporting organizations. And so we had a little chat to him around, you know, what, what's the reality of this really? And it was just awesome to get someone at Adam's level who's been a CEO of state sporting organizations in the past, now sits at a senior executive level of a national sporting organization to throw his weight behind the significance of grassroots experience and what it means for starting a career in sport. Yeah, mate, it was, you know, great to get an insight from, you know, an athletics perspective as well. You know, we touch on a lot of, you know, the, the big commercial sports out there that you see week to week, but athletics is such a, a huge sport in Australia and such a massive participant base and, and so many volunteer opportunities in athletics as well. But just great to hear from him around how he, what he considers really important for a grad coming through, wants a role and how that experience plays out. So it was great to talk to him and really honest guy, speaks how it is and I, I think he did provide some good little nuggets for those out there. So, no, it was a really good chat. We might jump straight into it. Grab a pen and enjoy this chat with Adam Bishop. 
Adam Bishop, welcome to the SportsGrad podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Adam, we got chatting over LinkedIn just the other day, uh, and it was after I put a post out talking about the, the significance of grassroots experience and how that leads to jobs in sport. And the post was all about how I think sport can do uh, a better job at, at recognizing the value of grassroots experience, experience when it comes to applicants applying for jobs. And you added a comment to that, which was, which was really valuable, sharing your experience as a CEO and how you've looked upon those with grassroots experience quite favorably. And I'm going to read out the comment for those listening. So, off the back of my post calling out the value of uh, grassroots experience, you've chimed in with, as an SSO CEO, that's a state sporting organization CEO, I did quite a lot of recruiting over the years. We'd get a lot of applicants that looked very similar on paper with the same degree, but little to no formal experience. I'd always seek out those that had been proactive in learning and demonstrating experience through volunteer roles within sport. The experience, knowledge and insights gained through those roles was always what set people apart. Firstly, Adam, can you just explain why I decided to add that comment? The background of that for me is that, so I spent nearly sort of 10, maybe 12 years as a administrator in, in sport and I was given an opportunity uh, without necessarily a lot of experience in, in the roles that I'd come into. So for, you know, for example, I, I started as the, the CEO of Athletic South Australia as a very raw 25-year-old and um, I, was, I was given a lot of responsibility and, and had people that backed me. And so, so part of, I guess, adding that comment was uh, trying, to, trying to help people and, and give back a little bit. I know it's hard to break into the sports industry. Um, I know a lot of people go through and, and do degrees and uh, then sort of find it hard to break in. And I guess those, those sort of little insights of having, uh, you know, as I say, worked in the sport for or in sport for a long time, to be able to offer up uh, some guidance to try and help people as well. Uh, and I guess one of the challenges is that a lot of people can can go through a university degree, but it's it's often very hard to get that that practical experience and demonstrate that you have the skills, knowledge, and understanding to perform the roles within organisations like that. And so, you know, I added that comment as as something I'd sort of uh, tried to to help other people as they'd applied for roles in uh, in the organisation that I was leading. Uh, and it was often feedback I gave to people as well. So it's to me, it's about what what sets you apart from others uh, and Really, what you want to see from people that may may not have as a, that depth of experience is the initiative to to go and uh, be willing to learn and to actually give a bit of your time to to understand uh, the environments that uh, you would uh, work in and, and how they operate and and that experience is really valuable. Um, so it's an avenue to get get some experience without necessarily having experience in a in a paid role. Adam, with with those people who you did employ because of this grassroots experience allowed them to, to stand out. What was it that you noticed in those people when they were actually in the job? Was it just something on paper that they had that was different or was there something that they would do in the job that meant they performed it better than the other people might have? Yeah, well, the starting point's on paper, I guess, because you're you're looking, you obviously get a lot of interest in, in applications uh, for roles and, Particularly working in a small organisation, you've got to obviously sift through all those uh, applications. And so, when people present the same on on paper in terms of that that education uh, that, that they have, 
what you're really looking for is who stands out amongst those people if, if that's your pool of applicants. And so I would have a look at that and, and see where people have tried to gain experience. So understanding that they, you know, just getting a degree isn't enough. You actually need to, to be proactive and, and try and find a way to build that experience so that you can demonstrate that you're actually capable of doing the role. Because, of course, you can't just come into a role and demonstrate that you're capable. You've got to be able to show that during the recruitment process. And then, you know, in, in an interview situation where people have had that practical experience, particularly at the grassroots, what they're able to demonstrate is understanding. Uh, and that's really important in answering the questions that we would fire at people for, you know, trying to, trying to grill them to get a sense of who they are and, and what, they, what they know and whether they're suitable for the role. So having that background and experience in that space was actually really valuable for them to be able to answer the questions uh, in a way that would uh, connect with what we were looking for. Just on that topic with those questions that you were firing at them, were a lot of them related to the understanding of of the sport rather than perhaps performing a specific function? Yeah, yeah, the the role that you're recruiting for, I guess, determines the the sort of questions that you're answering. But the ability to demonstrate understanding and and particularly in grassroots sport at a, a state level where at all levels of sport, but particularly at state level when you're dealing with clubs and volunteer stakeholders, you need to understand things like the political context and how to operate in those environments. And so when you can actually demonstrate understanding of, uh, you know, those club-level volunteers and, and what they're going through on a day-to-day basis and the things that they're, they're trying to grapple with and, and manage, uh, having those insights helps people to answer those questions but also demonstrates the understanding that's needed in a lot of those roles. So it really just gives you a... A base of experience to be able to, yeah, be able to connect with the functions of the role and be able to, I guess, give you or give the recruiter a, a view of, uh, you know, how they would potentially uh, react in in those roles. Mm. We had um, uh, last week we had uh, Jay Lee from the NBA come onto the podcast, and he is the vice president of product experience. Uh, over there looks after nba.com looks after uh, the nba app and the nba league pass and he talked about the biggest thing for him and his team in developing good products was empathy for the customer and it sounds like that's consistent with what you're talking about for your people to do that effectively they need to have empathy for those customers those people competing at carnivals those people were helping out and making those events come together do you feel like that is consistent with um you know what you guys are trying to achieve too yeah, there's an element of that. I guess it's the contextual understanding of the environment that you'll operate in. And so if you understand uh, what others are, are going through or, you know, what their needs are, then it helps you to, to better service that. And particularly in organisations that are a resource um, tight uh, where you don't, you know, you don't have a lot of money or, or people to manage that and where you're very reliant on, on volunteers to be out there delivering the product and, and you know, which is the the sort of community interface and that connection, it's really important to understand that. And I, I actually reflect on that because I've, in athletics specifically, where where I was a participant, uh, I was on a club committee at one point in time, I think when I was at, at uni. So even those sorts of things are really uh, important for experience and perspective. And then I moved into a state organisation in a leadership role and, and now at Athletics Australia in a, in a senior executive role as well. Those experiences that I gained through that sort of grassroots um, understanding 
they help me in, in my role now. And I, I think the challenge sometimes for administrators, if they haven't been in that environment, you, you get disconnected from that. And it's easy. I talk to my staff about this. Sometimes. It's easy to kind of sit in the, the national office where we don't do a lot of face-to-face delivery necessarily. It's easy to kind of get stuck in that that sort of office environment and, and disconnected from the, the community. And so it's really important that you have that understanding. It, it helps in the decision-making process and uh, around that customer piece. So whether the customers, you know, the state sporting organisation that you're working with or whether it's down to the clubs and the coaches and, and all those kind of uh, roles, understanding the the context and the environment they operate in is actually really important to help guide the decisions that you may make at, a say, a national level that ultimately flow down and impact those people on the ground. Adam, do you reckon, and I'll think about a few questions that I've got from students out there around the position that they actually have at a club or an association or whatever. Do you think it matters too much on the level of volunteer position that they're getting? Because, you know, a lot of people might think, oh, you know, if I'm if I'm just doing this smaller role, it might not matter so much. Like I kind of need to be up in a, you know, a president or a treasurer or those kind of positions. But at the end of the day, and we always kind of say, you make that position what you want it to be and, and you grow from that. So I guess back to my question, it was a long one, but how much do you look at what positions they are when you're looking at candidates? Does it really matter or are you just you really just looking at what they did in that role that they were in? Well, I think, I think there's two things. There's one one being proactive in the first place and being willing to to go and do that. And, and whether it's whether it's something that's a part of your life already in terms of um, volunteer involvement in sport or whether you've you know you've gone out and sort that as a as a way to sort of upskill you. I think that's that's important. It's not necessarily about the role, it's about the understanding that you get from from being in that role. So uh, you know it, for, for me it's it's not really the, the hierarchy of roles as such. It's uh what role did you perform? Uh, what did you learn from from being in that role? What what sort of things have helped then your understanding that you might be able to apply to a, a professional role in sport um, and what insights have you gained from uh, that interaction with uh, people at those levels. So it's around, I guess, in some ways, transfer, transferability between that volunteer experience and then applying that into the, the professional setting. But, you know, without that, it makes it really hard. You know, those that have been through through university and, and have a degree know that, uh, you know, the real the real experience comes when you actually get out there and do it. The theoretical aspect of, of learning is really important, but you always learn um, in a much more rich fashion, I guess, uh, when you're actually out there immersed in, in what it is that you're doing. And I think that's really important. So it's the balance between the, the theory um, and the understanding you can demonstrate there and then the practical elements of actually being out there and, and understanding what it's like on the ground rather than just, uh, you know, reading about it or hearing it about from, from someone else. Just to add an example of um, trying things that you've learnt, uh, I was going through my final year of university at Deakin and I was doing a subject called Sport Leadership and, and Governance and it was my sort of first introduction to learning about the structures of sporting organisations and how departments are set apart and, and aligned. And one of the opportunities that I had at the same time was to be president of the Deakin University Sports Society. I thought, oh, this is really cool how sports structured, how their departments are separated by function. Let's try and implement that in our uh, little society because prior to that, you know, we had president, vice president, treasurer, secretary, and then general committee members, and everyone would just kind of do bits and pieces here and there. And this has kind of been consistent 
with, uh, you know, other clubs have been a part of too. But when I kind of saw this theory, it gave me this great opportunity to actually like test out how we can apply it to, to an organization. And whilst it was just a small entry to that sort of understanding, it was a, it was a good eye opener to what I would then go on to experience at Cricket Australia down the track when I started working full time. So I think if you do come across some of those aspects where you are learning about different things in the sports industry at university, those places are the perfect opportunity to test them out. But um, I wanted to ask Adam if you had any specific examples that you can remember from people who you've hired uh, where you've looked at their resume, seen the grassroots opportunity on their resume, thought, okay, that's interesting. That stands out to me. We'll, pu- we'll push them through to the A pile. We'll shortlist them, interview them. And then what, what were some of the examples that they shared in that interview that stood out to you, which led you to give them the job? You're going to really test my memory here because uh, <laughs> it's been a little while since I uh, was in that space, although I obviously sort of recruit in my, my role at the moment. Um, yeah, it, what I used to do as well, which I is, is somewhat to that sort of giving back as well. So, so say we shortlisted five people for, for a role. Um, or six or seven, whatever the number was. Uh, often if there was someone who was fairly recently uh, graduated and, and had shown initiative in, in getting out there and, uh, you know, performing some volunteer roles and trying to get some experience, I would, I would often add one or two of those to the interview pile um, as, a, as an opportunity to give them experience but also to explore, you know, whether they might be the they might be suitable. They may be able to demonstrate beyond, uh, you know, their, their resume in terms of that um, experience and understanding that might fit the role. Um, so I used to deliberately do that, uh, and it was, as I say, twofold. One for for our purposes, in case we unearth someone who was, uh, uh, you know, a diamond in the rough, so to speak, someone that we may, may not have considered on paper necessarily, but uh, we gave them an opportunity to talk to them. But then also to give those people the experience of going through that that interview process to help them later on even if they weren't successful in the role so um, yeah we would always interview and shortlist the people who uh, we, we thought were you know important to, to interview and, and earn that that right to, to sit in front of the panel but uh, occasionally chucked uh, one or two extras in to you know, see see what we could uncover and give them that experience as well not sure I can point out a specific example from that, but it's more so going back to what I was saying earlier around when you ask questions you in an interview scenario, you get a sense of uh, how people or what people's understanding is of, of certain contexts or situations, so whether, it, you know, in, in the context of the role. Um, so you'll get an insight into whether you think they can perform those functions or not. And if they don't have that experience, then it, it's probably unlikely that they're going to be able to demonstrate that understanding. And so... Um, yeah, I can't think of a specific example around that, but it, it would test people's knowledge and understanding and, and you would get a sense very quickly as to whether someone really understood the role and the context that they would operate in and whether they had the, the necessarily knowledge, knowledge and skills to, to actually perform that role. So, yeah. I'm just going to throw Ryan under the bus real quickly. So Ryan held the fantastic position of uh, Vice President at the Scarborough Sharks over in Perth. Uh, Adam, if Ryan came to you with this position on his resume, uh, what were some of the things that you would try and pick out out of it? What would you ask him? Depends on the role, and I guess the, the context is always really important. Obviously, uh, being a vice president is in a, in a leadership role uh, with, with the committee there. 
Uh, I think the really interesting thing about particularly operation of clubs and community clubs is the the regulatory context that people operate in now. It, you know, even even as a sort of professional administrator, the the amount of overlay of governance and compliance and all those sort of things is is huge. And obviously, in the era of uh, COVID now, there's there's an extra layer of that. So I think the, those sort of being able to lead a, a club or an organisation through those sort of periods, uh, they demonstrate a, a range of um, skills that would be valuable in in the sporting context. So would probably dig into some of those specific examples of, of maybe challenges that uh, you've encountered and clearly clearly COVID is a challenge for, for sport but particularly community uh, volunteers uh, and, and committee members to to navigate that environment and make sure that you're complying with the, the health regulations, trying to get volunteers back, all the things that we know that, that COVID has uh, uh, caused a really significant challenges for the sports industry. So it, it's been able to navigate through uh, situations like that that you would probably start to delve into you know those situations are inherent in sport there's there's a myriad of challenges that you'll face uh, every day as an administrator so trying to pick out some of those things where uh, people can demonstrate understanding the ability to be flexible agile uh, to to address problems uh, you know things like there's always disputes and memory protection issues that uh, in sport and they bubble up from the the club level and uh, part of my role at Athletics Australia at the moment is to manage member protection issues, and when they come to me, it's often because uh, it's been really a really difficult issue, and it hasn't, uh, you know, the people that have dealt with it haven't been able to resolve it in a sort of timely fashion, and they they bubble up to me. So things like that as well, where you can sort of demonstrate some uh, ability to to manage uh, people and, and complaints and complexities that exist in in sporting organisations like that. I feel like the question of when have you dealt with conflict is one of the most common questions that you reckon, Rubes. You always get that. Totally. What's an example of when you've dealt with conflict or when have you shown leadership in a situation? Classic classic questions. We uh, and, and grassroots sport is a perfect place to find examples for, for all of them because the, the roles are so malleable. You might find yourself in an internship where you get given a job description and you've got you know, a handful of tasks that you have to do. But in grassroots, you can take it wherever you want. As we've discussed discussed with Mitch Woods, who came up with a fantastic super box idea, who got a, a team of tradies to build a, a super box on the side of the boundary line for the Noosa Tigers so that they could host their commercial partnerships functions on a Saturday afternoon. There's so many creative things that you can come up with and there's, you know, there's no rule book to it. So it's really just up to whatever your imagination can conjure mm. um, to where you want to take it. And then you might find yourself in front of someone like Adam and he asks you about what initiative have you shown in the past and there's your example, there's what um, is going to get you the job. Absolutely. And those, those sort of things, you know, if you can unearth those in an interview, they're the sort of things that stand out because they're, you know, sport is uh, community sport and Australian sport, I guess, uh, and, and the environments that I operate in are often really traditional uh, and so where people have shown initiative to, to do something a little bit different, that's always of interest um, to, to myself and I'm sure others that, that work in the industry as well. Adam, I was going to ask you, um, you know, your path to where you are today is kind of traditional is not the right word, but it's kind of like, you know, you've, you've, you've done the steps you need to in a way it's sort of like you've volunteered, you've, you've done the state sports organisation to then the, the national. But take us back to when you sort of started 
we'll, we'll get to your career in athletics after this, but take us out to where you started when you were on that committee. What What's the kind of stuff that you were doing just to give people an insight into what it's like to volunteer, not at a AFL club or a cricket club? We're probably a little bit biased. We always kind of speak about the cricket club or the AFL club, but take us to what it's like in an athletics club and, and what, what what's the stuff you kind of get into? Yeah, sure. Just going back a few years now, I'll have to <laughs> dig into the memory bank around that. But one thing that brings to mind initially is that, you know, the revenue is always a challenge for, for community sports clubs. Um, you know, we, we would host some events, uh, for example, and they needed funds to, to run those events. And uh, so I had a sort of, I guess, a bit of an interest or background in marketing and sponsorship. And so, you know, put together a a bit of a proposal to, to go out to, to local businesses and, and try and gain some support um, with some tiered benefits uh, based on the, you know, the level of funding that they might tip in. It wasn't particularly sophisticated and probably looking back, it probably wasn't particularly successful either, but uh, they're the sort of things that you, you need to have a, a go at and, and you learn from that as well and it's important to, I think, for you know, as part of that that experience, you learn, you kind of learn what works and, and, and in that context that I just mentioned there, you actually, I got a really good sense of how difficult it was to, to raise funds for at the club level. And so, you know, talked about empathy before and, and um, understanding uh, in, in roles that are maybe, you know, higher up in the, the federated structure to understand the challenges day to day that the people face is um, is really important and, in some ways, I think you can only do that if you've actually immersed yourself uh, in those environments. So, you know, there, there would have been the regular uh, challenges, uh, you know, trying trying to find enough money to uh, keep the club afloat. Um, you know, the things like organising the awards nights and, you know, people making sure they've organised the trophies, uh, helping out with events that the club may run. Uh, there were things around, uh, for example, uh, the club that I was involved with uh, provided a, a representative to the state body in terms of regular sort of club or quarterly club meetings. And so they're the kind of things that, you know, you're interested in in learning more and, and learning more about the intersection between clubs and you know, state sporting organisations. They're the types of things where you can actually start to build some connections, get some insights into to how sporting organisations operate. So bits and pieces like that, um, compliance, you know, uh, again, going back a little while, but, uh, you know, things like um, child protection, child safeguarding, those sort of things, they're obviously critically important uh, now. And so as as a club uh, committee member, you're going to get a real uh, insight into to some of the challenges that are faced by clubs and then in turn the, the bodies uh, above like state sporting organisations and national bodies. I think what's really good about that is though, even if you – you say it might not have been that successful you've shown the same approach that goes on at an elite sporting organization when you talk about thinking about what sort of tiered offerings we can offer local businesses to sponsor a club you know that that's happening at cricket australia you know ryan's got his own set of gold partners silver partners platinum partners whatever you know that's the same sort of thought process that's going on at the elite levels and that's really probably the most important part for a student or graduate to show an interviewer that they're thinking about these sort of things. The result doesn't matter too much. If they can get it, fantastic. If you're looking into how sport operates and you can take the same approach, that's what really stands out, I think. Yeah, for sure. I think, I think it's about having a go because, again, to be able to demonstrate uh, 
understanding you've got to immerse yourself in things sometimes and whilst that may not have been successful uh we, we had a go at it and i think it must have worked out okay in the end the club's uh going as strong as ever uh so it, it didn't result in the club going bankrupt or anything like that but uh yeah i think taking that initiative and and having a go at things and and like was mentioned earlier the club environment uh is a really good place to to be able to do that to to make things your own uh, because it is so reliant on the operation of uh, or its operations reliant on volunteers that it's it's almost a blank canvas. There are things that obviously the club needs to do to function and continue to run, but there are also initiatives that you can take everything outside the box a little bit that will help you learn but also then, you know, from a career perspective, help you to be able to demonstrate uh, understanding an initiative of having a go and trying things uh, and learning from that. Yeah. I think like the blank canvas as well, I look back when I started in that position and no way was I thinking about what's going to happen in five years' time. But I think now if people are more aware of where they want to get to and what sort of area they want to, you know, operate in one day, then I guess you can be more selective on on how you use that blank canvas. So, you know, if finance is your thing and you're a gun with numbers, then you know that going to be a treasurer is just a perfect opportunity for you. Likewise, if you want to be in partnerships, go go put some stuff together and have a go. And it, it, like all you can do is fail and it's a good environment to fail. So if you know what you want to get to, then you, then you, you can sort of pigeonhole yourself a little bit if you want to. Yeah, maybe you, maybe I'll just add to that as well. So, you know, if you're in the finance area and that's, that's your thing, absolutely have a go at that. But don't, don't forget to also step outside the Zone. And, and the thing I would say about sport, um, probably generally, which uh, you know you guys would know as well, is that um, sometimes it's all hands on deck. Uh, whether it be around events or other bits and pieces, organisations, uh, sporting organisations, often don't have enough resources. And you know, a good example of that, we would run some some large events in uh, in my previous role. And we would require all staff to be a part of that. It doesn't matter if you, you know, you're working in the finance area or you would be out there helping to put up signs for this big event because unless we got everyone to sort of chip in and help each other out, it makes it really difficult to deliver those things successfully. So I'd also say, you know, step out your comfort zone where you've got an opportunity to, to learn more about the, the broader uh, operation of a, a club or, or a business. Fantastic. Well, I reckon that's a pretty good place to wrap it up. Thanks for... Actually, Ryan's got one more question. I have one more question (laughs) and a bit of mail came across my desk this week. I did mention it before that we were going to talk about it, but it did come across, so I thought I have to. And that is obviously Adam has had a bit of a, you know, experience in athletics. So, I just want to give him the floor. Obviously, an elite runner. Where'd you get to? Any any wins or anything like that? I don't like talking about myself uh, too. I guess give a little bit of context that that might explain, I guess, my my journey, which you touched on earlier in in athletics specifically. So uh, I've been been participating in the sport for a long time as a as a distance runner and you know, won a few state titles and a, a national junior title, and then from there actually went overseas. So I did a, a bachelor of education uh, degree first, and then uh, got an opportunity to to go to the US on a, a track and field scholarship for a year. Uh, and from that, I actually ended up with a master's in sport admin. So that that kind of set the path for, I guess, my career as a, an administrator. Uh, and off the back of that, went uh, in 2006 now, so it's a little while ago, but 
went to the World University Cross Country Championships uh, in in Algiers or Algeria of all places. So, uh, you know, sport obviously provides some really great experiences, and and I feel very privileged and, and fortunate to to be working in a to working in sport, but also a sport that has actually given me so much in terms of my life and the opportunity to give back. And it is hard at times, absolutely. Uh, no illusions uh, around that. Sport is uh, is a difficult industry to work in, uh, particularly in the not-for-profit sports sector. But um, you know, feel very fortunate to uh, to be a part of it. Just finally, your marathon time also came across my desk. Uh, can you reveal what that is? Yeah, uh, two thirty-one is my <laughs> my best time. Two hours thirty-one. Don't I think I can go a little bit quicker. So. I'll, I think I've still got a couple of years left where I before I start going backwards, where I get uh, where age becomes a factor. But um, yeah, I'd love to have another crack at a, yeah. a marathon and, and do a two hours thirty mark. Where sure. does where do you reckon two thirty places like is that that's bloody good? Am, am I right in saying that? It's yeah, it's world class. <laughs> that's rapid. I'll, I'll let you guys be the judge of that. It's, it's, it's <laughs> fast. The, the the depth in marathon running internationally is is pretty pretty massive, but. Um, yeah, look, it's it's great to, I guess, be more towards the, the pointy end of the, the field. I'm certainly not mixing it with uh, the marathon stars that we have uh, here at Athletics Australia, but uh, it's nice to be out there and, and get amongst it. And, yeah, like anything, it's it's about trying to trying to be better than you were yesterday. And um, I feel like I've still got a little bit uh, left there, as I say, to hopefully go under that two-hour 30 mark uh, maybe, in, maybe in the next 12 months. Awesome. Well, I know if I was one of your direct reports, I'd be telling the whole world. My manager runs a two and a half hour marathon, which is incredible. So uh, we'll keep we'll keep an eye on your Strava for sure, Adam, and um, we look forward to when you break the the two hour thirty mark. But um, thank you again for giving us your time. I think you know experiencing grassroots sport is such a uh, an awesome opportunity and gateway into the sports industry for so many. So thanks for coming on and sharing with us your perspective, which is highly valuable. So thank you again for sharing your time with us. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. There we have it, Ryan. Adam Bishop, significance of grassroots sport. What did you make of that? And what what would you be doing after hearing the influence of Adam's words on grassroots volunteering? He made it really real for me. Like we, we talk a lot about, Getting you know, getting these volunteer opportunities and that'll get you to a job. But I think he has he's actually lived that and he's gone through the steps. You know, he's been on a committee. You know, he's worked at a state sports organisations. He he was a participant as well. You know, and he and he's reached the, the the executive level that is at now. So he's lived this and he's gone through that journey. So I think this is kind of like that proof point that you're just like, look, this has happened, and he he has spelled that out for us. Totally. Well, like it's a, it's a different angle of proof point because, you know, you've been at the Scarborough Sharks, you're now at Cricket Australia. I've been at St. Mary's Salesian Football Club. I got to Cricket Australia. Someone like Finn Bradshaw started out in the grassroots journalism space. Yeah. He's now at the ICC in Dubai reporting into the CEO. Now we've got Adam in who's the person who's hiring those people, who's literally saying, mm. if you volunteer in grassroots sport, you're going to get an understanding for the customers of sport, and that is what you need to work in sport. So uh, I'm not too sure what else we can add to it to say go out there and grab grassroots <laughs> sport experience because it's going to be the best thing you can do to kickstart your career. 
Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, what's the saying? I think the proof's in the pudding, Rubes. Uh, and I think that one right there is a great episode just to confirm some of those ideas. So if you're out there and you, you know you haven't ventured down this path, that's totally okay. But there's plenty of opportunities out there for you to for you to jump on. So that's what I'd be doing. That was the first question you asked me. Then what would I be doing off the back of this? I think find your local club and figure out mm. where you can fit in there because I think the path is clear. Yep, yep. Well, if you're listening to this, take this as a tap on the shoulder to stop putting it off. Get out there, approach your club, get involved. It'll be the best thing you do for your career, I guarantee it. And if you're not sure what to do, well, Go back one episode and listen to our episode around prioritizing ideas in grassroots sport because that'll give you a good way to think about what should you be doing and how you can get the most out of it. Until next time, thank you very much for listening and we'll see you then. Hey team, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And if you did, please share it with your friends or your classmates who also have to figure out all of this sports career stuff. As you can see, this podcast is practically a masterclass and it's free. And you and your circles deserve to have it, so please share it far and wide. Finally, when you are ready to make sense of tackling jobs in sport, go check out the Sports Grad Method. This is an ebook I wrote based on eight years of trying to get into the sports industry and teaching others how to do it too. All of that is condensed down into a proven process to getting jobs in sport. If you're like me and enjoy things broken out into logical steps, then I think you're going to enjoy it. To get a hold of that, download it from www.sportsgrad.com.au. Thanks again for listening. Chat to you soon.